Matthew chapter 7, if you would go there in your Bibles with me this morning. How many of you love your word? Hopefully you do. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 7 through 11 this morning. It's going to be our text for today. If you don't have your Bibles, that's all right, it's going to be up on the screen, and it says this, ask and it will be given to you. We all love that part, right? <laughs> we're like, yes, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Which is actually kind of a humorous thought process of you, because I actually want to do that one time just to see what my son does, but... Um, or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Today, I want to speak to you from the subject, the problem with prayer. The problem with prayer is we deal with the issue of prayer and how to approach it in our lives. Um, about two years ago, uh, I started a, a health process in my life. My wife and I uh, got a group on uh, to a CrossFit gym uh, just over on the other side of 90th, and it, it changed our life. Uh, when I left Phoenix to come here to Salt Lake, I was clocking in at about 225 to 230 pounds, um, which on my frame uh, is, is, a, is a lot of weight. I was unhealthy. I was tired. And I'll never forget one weekend I was preaching in our old building um, down in the Murray area. And as I was running back and forth as per normal, shouting and yelling and everything like that, I started to like get out of breath, right? And it was in this moment, have you ever had that moment where you're doing one thing but God's speaking to you about another thing? And so I was in this moment running back and forth, preaching his word and everything like this. And, and it was in that moment that I really felt God just kind of start to speak to me about how are you going to run the journey that I have for you if you're tired doing this? That was hard to hear. And so it was in that moment that we started out on a health, a health journey. And I got into the, uh, it, we became addicted to, to CrossFit because it's kind of a cult. Um, and uh, once you're a part of, you can't escape. And uh, purple Kool-Aid and everything, it's bad. Um, but uh, so I joined. And, and from that day forward, we, we went on a health journey. And that was to, to lose some weight and start exercising. And, but I realized something really, really fast. That working out is not enough, right? You can work out as much as you want to, but if you eat the same stuff, nothing changes. Have you ever noticed that? That's the frustrating part about working out, is that no matter how hard you actually work out, if you don't get some other things in its right position, then you have a tendency really just to work out in in vain. It requires right eating. It requires sleep. It requires accountability, right? It requires all these things to actually go on the journey. And so I did. I, I went from 190, uh, or excuse me, 225 to 230 pounds, and I dropped all the way. The lowest that I got to was about 185 pounds before a weightlifting competition that I did. And then I hover somewhere between there, <laughs> depending on these other things that I'm trying to get straight in my life, right? And I started to realize, I've discovered, that there is a similar problem with prayer. See, prayer is not an arbitrary fixing of situations, as much as we want it to be. Circumstances and needs. It's rather a partnership with God that requires trust, faith, and action. And I think for many of us, we carry frustration towards God in this arena because we don't understand why God doesn't answer my prayer. Or more specifically, give us what we want. You ever been there before? And this is because we fail to realize that the nature and character of God and his role in our lives as we prayerfully engage him. And it's interesting, in this piece of scripture right here, we see God as a father. But many of us, if we're not careful, we have, we have a tendency to see God as this cosmic vending machine. 
right? Kind of like our spiritual genie in a bottle. And if I, if I start tossing quarter-sized prayers up to him, maybe, just maybe, I'm going to get what I want. Have you ever, you ever been there before? And I'm guilty of it, like, like all of us. I'm guilty of just simply approaching God on a needs basis. God, I want this. Please give me this. And, and if you're really, really like kind of careful about it, I, I, I did this one time in my own life. I started to write down my prayers so that I could see how and what I was asking from God, how I was approaching God in, in this arena of prayer. And I started to realize that I have a tendency to ask for things, right? Like, God, I want this. I need this. Can you please do this? Failing to realize that prayer is so much more than just simply asking him for stuff. The New American Commentary points out something very important on this particular piece of scripture. It says this in verse 7. It's somewhat misleading, and I quote, the word does not refer to any particular, this word it, does not refer to any particular thing requested, but forms part of a divine passive construction that means ask God and God will give you what he deems best. What he deems best. Here's the thing. We have a problem with prayer. Prayer's hard, isn't it? Come on, can we just be honest? Can we like just throw prayer underneath the bus for a second? I know for some of you that's like super like, oh my gosh, what's he doing? Sacred cow just tipped. <laughs> but we need to for a second so that we can get to the heart of the matter. So if we can, can we just throw prayer underneath the bus for just a second? It's not the way we want it to be. And for many of us, we struggle with the reality that God's not, come on, how many of us said this before? He hasn't answered my prayer. He's not answering my prayer. I don't know if he's hearing me. God, he, hello, you hearing me? We pray for these things, and then we get frustrated, and we ask, well, if, if God is good, why doesn't he do this? Well, it's because that you assess his goodness based upon his action instead of his goodness based upon his heart and character. And so many times we can get a little bit confused with this prayer thing. So I want to help us out this morning with some stuff. While, yes, God is all-powerful and sovereign in nature and can do anything he wants, I believe that 100%. So don't get me wrong. Don't, don't, don't sit there and be like, well, pastor doesn't believe that God can do all things. Because last time I checked, in Christ, all things are possible. For sure, he wants to do those things. But he's also wanting to teach us some stuff. He's also a God of order. Everything he does, even down to the smallest of detail, is intricate and, and orderly. Have you ever studied the human body? I know we have a lot of people in healthcare in here. And, and, and when you study the human body, when you study the universe, when you study all these things, it, it is impossible not to go, my goodness, he is so orderly in nature. But see, we want God to be random in his power. You ever think about that? We want God, in order to answer our prayers, what I want, I want him to go against his nature and his character to randomly provide for me what it is that I want, instead of learning how to align my life and my heart with his orderly process to everything and start saying, God, I want to start praying different prayers. I want to figure out a way to align with your heart, because we actually have the ability to understand and know what his will is if we'd kind of learn some things. So this morning, I want to deal with the problem with prayer. And more importantly, how do we start praying then? So how he operates is in accordance. How he, how he answers prayer, how he works with us with our prayers is in accordance to his character. So there's some things that we need to understand about prayer that I believe will help us navigate prayer and more importantly engage prayer in a thoughtful, expectant, and realistic way. Does that sound good with everybody? 
So we're going to learn how to pray this morning a little bit. Um, but we're going to come from a different direction. So I need you to help me out this morning. Can everybody shout number one? Number one, the first thing that we need to understand is this. Don't pray for what you're unwilling to persevere through. <laughs> oh, somebody's meddling. <laughs> wow, that point like dropped. Awesome. I love it. I hope it does this all weekend. <laughs> Don't pray for what you're unwilling to persevere through. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, five, one to 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Stop it! Are you kidding me? That's what it says. Knowing that, watch this, suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces Hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In other words, don't pray for what you're unwilling to persevere through. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, but how many of our prayers have gone like this? God, please take away my suffering. So what we're asking God to do is take away the very mechanism that he uses to produce endurance in us. The very mechanism that he uses to ultimately lead us to hope. And then we get frustrated because he didn't answer our prayer. He didn't take away my pain. He didn't take away my suffering. He didn't take away my thing. Well, yeah, because you're asking him to take away something that ultimately he wants to use to produce goodness and graciousness in your life. To ultimately bring you into the plan and will that he has for your life. So we got to understand some things about prayer. Don't pray for what you're unwilling to persevere through. See, perseverance is single-handedly one of the most frustrating topics in the Bible. I hate it. Can I say that this morning? <laughs> Another cow. <laughs> Yet it's one of the most important topics in the Bible. Both the Old and New Testament are littered with stories, truths, and encouragements centered around a life of perseverance. Every shout perseverance. perseverance. Come on, everybody turn to your neighbor and say, keep on keeping on. Why is perseverance such a big issue? Because of this. A life of faith is not identified by ease. It is forged through perseverance. But we live in the easy button generation, don't we? Come on, we just make it easy. Make it easy. But faith is not forged in ease. Faith is forged through perseverance. Listen to this, Hebrews 11, we're going to read from verse 32 to, to chapter 12, verse 2, okay? A lot, lot of Bible, but I want you to hear this. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me, this is the, the writer of Hebrews, to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, not Colorado, but real. They were sawn into two. They were killed with the sword. They went, <laughs> stop it. They went about in skins of <laughs> sheep and, and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All these 
though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. How about that? That's a tough thing to swallow right there. Wait a second. After all of that, they still did not receive what was promised. How many of us would know that at this moment, we are super frustrated with God? More than likely, we're kind of questioning whether we even want to follow him anymore. But it says they wandered. They did all this and was not given what was promised. But then verse 40 says, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Verse 40. We've got to learn something here. And that's not to pray for what we're not willing to persevere through. And this line of thought that we read here in Hebrews gives us all of these people who went through all of this stuff, not even receiving their promise, but they still persevered. See, the Bible is communicating to us that perseverance is part of a life of faith. More of when we ask God for the things that are in our hearts, many times we fail to realize that the very answer to the prayer is going to require perseverance. I know I've done it many times. I ask God for something and then I'm taken back at that something requires a formal degree of perseverance and endurance. God, would you do this? Okay. Then he does it. Oh God, rescue me from the thing that I wanted. Why? Because it requires perseverance. It requires the steadfastness. So many times we want the easy way, but faith in following Jesus is not easy. Thank you for saying amen right there. It's not easy, and I think we've done our generation a disservice. Because here's the thing, we've tried to make Jesus attractive. Jesus doesn't need our help being attractive. At all. He's that good, he's that wonderful, he's that gracious, he's got that much mercy, he's, got, he's, that, he's that awesome. We don't need to make him attractive, what we need to be is truthful about it. And so we've tried to say, man, following Jesus is, is easy, but it's not easy and people get frustrated and no longer want to follow Jesus because we bait and switch him. Come to Jesus, your life will be amazing, you'll have a million dollars and a six pack. <laughs> it still hasn't worked. But how many of you know you've gotten frustrated and angry as well? You're like, wait, I, I came to Jesus. I thought this was supposed to be good. I thought all my problems were supposed to go away. I thought literally life was supposed to look like this. Just skip a do, skip along. Skip a do. <laughs> your destiny and design is not easy. His plan. And his purpose for your life is not easy if it was everyone would do it. And you would not be you. A life that requires perseverance is the proof that God is specific with his design for our lives. It's the proof that what he has for each of us is only possible because of how he's created us. So you're not meant to carry what I carry. And I'm not meant to carry what you carry. I need perseverance in my life to carry what I'm called to carry. And you need to carry what you've been called to carry, and it, and it takes perseverance. There has to be at some point a greater depth of resolve in our soul, come on church, <laughs> that keeps us on the journey of faith. A resolve that keeps us on the path that God has for us. A resolve that looks into the eyes of adversity and says, today you will not overcome me. 
This is the resolve of perseverance. The resolve of perseverance says, I'm, I'm going to make it through this trial. The resolve of perseverance says, I'm going to make it through this temptation. The resolve of perseverance says, I'm going to make it through this diagnosis. The resolve of perseverance says, my marriage is not going to fail. The resolve of perseverance says, I'm going to make it through my doubt, my insecurity, and my fear. Today, I'm going to stand and persevere. So don't pray for what you're unwilling to persevere through. But here's something that we need to understand about perseverance. Perseverance is not pretty, and I think this is one of the biggest reasons we take issue with it. Because we want life to look pretty. Don't we? So we can't persevere if, it, if it's going to look messy and, and, and gross. I think another term for, for perseverance should just be hot mess. <laughs> here's the thing. The problem is that we want an Instagram life in a landfill world. Did you get that this morning? We want an Instagram life in a landfill world. You ever been to a landfill before? You ever drive up? I try to stay away from them. I hate them. We have bulk cleanup coming in just a few days. It's awesome because I didn't have to take all my junk to the landfill and pay somebody to dump my stuff. Now the city just comes right to my house and grabs it for me. Easy button. But that's a whole other subject matter. When you stroll up to a landfill, you're automatically just like, oh, this is just gross. Stuff everywhere. It's messy and it's nasty. We would never put that on Instagram, right? What we put on Instagram is the clean house after all the junk has been taken to the landfill. And this is the problem. Is that many of us want an Instagram life in a landfill world. And the reason that we are frustrated with perseverance is because it's messy. So the first thing that we need to understand about prayer is that don't, don't pray for what you're unwilling to persevere through. Here's number two. Every shot number two. You ready for this one? Don't pray for what you're unwilling to practice faithfully. <laughs> the church got quiet. <laughs> don't pray for what you're unwilling to practice faithfully. Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 through 30. A lot of scripture this morning says this. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, the other two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went, dug, a, dug in the ground, and hid his, his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. Ugh. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have... Scattered no seed, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will 
more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Such a hard piece of scripture. So much force behind that. The point is this. You can't pray for, don't pray for which, what you are unwilling to practice faithfully. Have you ever given your kids toys and they never played with them? You know what I'm talking about? This is why Christmas and I rub together very, very harshly sometimes. It's because then a year later we will clean out the room of my son or my daughter and they have all these toys that we've provided for them, all these gifts that we've provided for them, all these things that we've provided for them. And what happens so many times is I look at them and I go, you never even played with them. You didn't touch them once. They just kind of kind of sat there. And it's, fun. it's funny because I've become my parents as I say things to my kids like this. No, we are not buying that because you will never play with it. You ever said that before? And the reality is this, that we will ask God for things that at the end of the day we have no intention of using the way he would desire us to use it. This does not negate the fact that he still gives us what we need and he's good. It just speaks to God as a father who desires that we steward the resource, uh, no matter what kind, in a way that represents his generosity and brings glory to him. Notice the issue with the master was not the amount. The issue was the use. It was the use. God has given every single one of us a measure of time, talent, and treasure. The question that we have to constantly be asking ourselves is this. What am I going to do with that measure? Am I stewarding it well? And this is what happens so many times we ask God. God, can I get challenging this morning just for a moment? God, give me that, that, that job. I want that promotion. But the problem is, is that we're praying a prayer that we're unwilling to use that thing and practice faithfully in it because in the current position that we're in, we don't give it everything that we are. We show up late, we come in and kind of just haphazardly go through things because I deserve more. I deserve more. So when I get more, I will give it everything that I am, but that's actually not true because now you're trying to assess your character against this thing over here. And what you don't practice now, you will not practice later. And this is what we're talking about here. Don't pray for what you're unwilling, for what you are unwilling to practice faithfully. In a 2015 survey by the American Psychological Association found that money is the leading cause of stress among Americans. Come on, and somebody said... <laughs> Especially for parents, younger adults, ages 18 to 49 years old, and not surprisingly, those living in a lower income bracket. For the majority of Americans, 64%, the survey found that money is very, a very significant source of stress. We tend to worry about more. We tend to worry about this, this area of our lives because we try to control it from a human standpoint. Listen to this. A 2015 survey of investors with a net worth of $1 million or more by the UBS found that while millionaires derive significant satisfaction from the wealth that they have amassed, they also feel compelled to strive for more, spurred on by their own ambition, the desire to protect their family's lifestyle, and an ever, listen to this, an ever-present fear of losing it all. Now for many of us, we're freaking out right now the fact that I'm talking about money, but it's the easiest thing to equate this issue with. Because always we ask for more, right? 
God, if you'd give me more, if you'd give me more here, if I could have this here, if I, how many times, if I could just win the lottery, impossible in Utah because they don't sell it. If I could just win this, if I could just have this, then I will do that. Well, this is the issue that we're, we're starting to rub up against. Good stewardship doesn't come from our ability to handle abundance. It comes out of our ability to do a lot with a little. And see, for many of us, we believe, we pray for things that we're unwilling to practice faithfully. If I have this, God, if you give me this, if I, if I can have th- and get this, then I will do that. But God kind of answers back and says, well, wait, why aren't you doing what I need you to do right now with what you have? And that's hard for us because we see God once again as a cosmic vending machine, only there to give us our desires, not a father who teaches us. Am I talking to anybody this morning? <laughs> And so the second thing that we need to understand about prayer is this, is don't pray for what you're unwilling to practice faithfully. Number three, every shot number three. Don't pray for what you're unwilling to price realistically. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33 says this, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's Jesus speaking. That's rough. Now is he actually saying hate those people? No. What he's trying to do is say, listen, these things in life, these relationships, everything that we have, it can't hold on to us to a point where now I'm unwilling to follow you. Verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all those who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. How many of you ever started a project before and went to Home Depot 15 times? (laughs) Right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm going to get this project done. I'm going to do this thing. And you go and you start the project and you're like, oh, snap, I I forgot that. I forgot that. And then the Home Depot guy starts to like know you. He knows your name. He recognizes you. He's like, oh, Joe's back, guys. Forgot another thing. What is he saying? He's like, what? like we got to plan a little bit better, right? That's what he's trying, to, he's trying to say. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able to, with 10,000, meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off. He sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of, any of you, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Don't pray for what you're unwilling to price realistically. New American Commentary once again says this, often our prayers are not answered as originally desired because we do not share God's perspective in knowing what is ultimately a good gift for us. I believe that this is such a huge issue for people. Especially in this generation. And when I say this generation, I'm talking those of us who are living right now. Okay, all, all of us in here. We want everything that we want, but are unwilling to pay the price for that which we want. We want the item, but we don't want the implications of that item. We want the miracle, but we don't want the responsibility of that miracle. So many people that I talk to, they want a great marriage, but are unwilling to put the work into the marriage that 
is necessary in order to have what they want to have. They say, God, if you could just, if you could just answer my prayer, if you could just right now take my marriage from point A to point B, I'll be grateful, I'll love you forever. But if you don't do it, I don't know if I can follow you anymore. You ever been that way before? I don't know, I don't know if my faith can handle you not just giving me what I want. He's saying, look, I'll give you what you want, but you need to price it realistically. I will give you the wisdom, I will give you the knowledge, I will give you the power, I will give you the energy to put in principles and daily things into your marriage that will take you from here to here, but don't ask me to morph you from here to here, because there's some things that you need to learn in the gap, like Darren talked about last week. There's some things that you need to learn from here to here, so that you can go from B to C. Don't pray for what you're unwilling to price realistically. We have unrealistic parameters for the miracle that we're requesting from God, don't we? How many of you, if you were to be approached the way that we approach God, would be super frustrated? Let's put it into this, this way. What if you had a son or a daughter that walked up to you and said, Dad, put it in context for my family. Dad, I want a Nintendo Switch. That's what he wants. I don't even know what it is. They've got like 14,000 Nintendos. I'm like, can we just go back to original Dunk Hut, dude? Like, that's what I want to do. Just, come on, can I get an amen? <laughs> Dad, I want a Nintendo Switch. And here's the thing, if you don't give me the Nintendo Switch within this time frame, at the end, at sundown, on November 15th, 2017, I don't know if I can be your son anymore. I don't know if I could reside in this family if you don't answer my prayer by this time the way that I need it. I want to come home from school. I want to walk through the garage and I want this Nintendo Switch lightly placed on my bed with a bow upon it sitting there for me to be able to take hold of. And by the way, once you give it to me, can you please set it up on my parameters in my time frame the way that I need it to be? And if you don't do that, I don't know if I can live in this house anymore. I don't know if I can be your son anymore. Daddy, I want a pony. My daughter wants a gerbil right now, not a pony. God help us. I need her to watch Stranger Things and be like, that's what a gerbil looks like. <laughs> so no. <laughs> Dad, if I don't get this gerbil, if I don't get this pony, I don't know if I could be here. Am I, am I talking to anybody today? This is the way we have a tendency to approach God, but here's the thing. Stop praying for what you're unwilling to price realistically. Stop going to God with ultimatums. Start saying, God, I need you to help me through this. I need your, I need your miraculous power here. And then here's, here's the thing. Can you tell me what it's going to cost? Because once I have an assessment of the cost... I can negotiate whether I actually want God to do it now. No one gets excited about the price. We get excited about the product, but never the price. When we buy things, we look at the price. Then there's a wrestling match that ensues, and we ask the question, am I willing to pay that much for it? And it's no different with God. We ask for the product, but are unwilling to pay the price. I know a lot of guys who want to plant a church, build a ministry, see God do the unimaginable. I know a lot of guys 
people who want to build businesses and become this and do that and everything like that. But the thing about it is, is that there's a difference between the person who actually is willing to pay the price and the person who just has a good idea. There's lots of people who want great marriages, businesses, relationships, health, but are simply unwilling to pay the price associated with it. My ability to participate in God's plan for my life is directly linked to my ability to pay a price. And here's the thing. God's plan for my life, God's plan for your life, hear me, church, is not cheap. Some of us need to hear that this morning. And that's why there's a price associated. Here's why it's not cheap. Because Jesus paid the ultimate price for you. You were bought with the greatest amount that could ever be paid for somebody. So why do we pray cheap prayers? So my hope this morning, my goal this morning with this message isn't to to push us and frustrate us or say we're doing bad things. That's not what I'm, that's not the heart. The heart of this message this morning is to say, hey, what happens if we started to pray a little bit differently? What happens if we started to approach God and say, okay, God, I don't want everything. I just want what you have for me. I want to align with your heart. I want to align with your, your will. You do, you do your miracles. You do your thing where your will and your plan and your purpose is going to do its thing. But as for me, my house, we're going we're to serve you no matter, no matter what happens, whether you answer my prayer or not. No matter what happens, I'm going to keep on following you. No matter what happens, I'm going to keep on trusting you. No matter what happens, I'm going to keep on chasing after you. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I got my butt in the right place. But even if he doesn't come through, I'm still going to honor him. I'm still going to worship him. I'm still going to seek after him. I'm still going to love him. Why? Because he's a good 